Thank you so much for your giving. Are y'all awake this morning? That answered my question. All right. Hoping uh, that uh, we can get everybody woke this morning. Um, just uh, before I dive in, if you have your Bibles, you can join us in first, first, I said first Psalm. That makes no sense. There's only one Psalm. Um, Psalms uh, chapter 133. One book of Psalms, uh, 150 chapters. Go to Psalm 133, um, located between Psalm 132 and 134. And I don't have a page number for you, so uh, I apologize for that. Um, as we kind of dive in a bit, um, we usually have what we call celebration points. I don't like beginning meetings without celebration points. I believe we should enter into gates with thanksgiving in our hearts. And everything we do, we should start off with gratitude and thanksgiving. And so um, I just want to show some gratitude towards somebody that has been serving in our church. And um, is, is Nicole here? I'm looking around. She's usually working over in the Connect Center, and I'm not seeing her. I'm going to blame the roads for that one. And it's not like I can fire her because she has just resigned. So, eh. Nicole has been serving as my admin for the past number of years. And what I wanted to do is take one of our celebration points to send a thank you to Nicole, who has stepped out of her position as she is finishing up her last semester of her senior year in Bible college going full-time with her photography and her handmade uh, businesses. Well, it's Collins too, but let's just give Nicole all the credit here. Um, and I just want to say a huge thank you. For numbers of you, as you're making uh, appointments with me, you have been going through Nicole um, and working with Nicole. She's the one that's helped organize our Connect Center. She's, she's the one that's been organizing um, first impressions for a number of years. And I just wanted to say as pastor, on behalf of this congregation, she's not going anywhere, she still attends. Um, uh, how many of you, please don't raise hands, have been a part of churches that anytime someone transitions, that means something bad happened or they just don't want to be here any longer. This is not the case. Uh, just moving into another season of life and, and ministry uh, here at Kalamazoo First. And I just wanted to say um, from my wife, uh, myself, the staff, Nikki, we are so proud of you. We love you. Uh, she hates being called Nikki, but I got the mic and it doesn't matter. Um, just I love the fact that I've gotten to serve along with you. And uh, even this past staff meeting, we just had sat around and we're mourning. Nikki wasn't there at staff meeting. So... Uh, I just want to say thank you. Could we give it up for Nicole this morning? Also, 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 um, we talked about discipleship last week, and we've got a slide up there with, with the date and the times. Uh, coming up, you're going to hear about this the next few weeks over and over and over from me. You'll get it on social media. You're going to have it put in front of you. Um, we've got an informational meeting coming up about discipleship. And what is this? This is uh, we are putting forward a year-long intensive discipleship um, journey that we want to just give exposure to the congregation. And if you are interested, if you would feel like maybe your spiritual life has plateaued, you're at a place of frustration and you're done blaming Pastor Dave for that, that's awesome. Um, this would be an amazing opportunity for you to come and check out, get information about this so that you can understand uh, what to expect and what it's all about. So write down those dates or uh, do what I do, take a picture of it with your phone, get the dates in your phone. You do not want to miss this evening. Uh, how many of you have ever seen the movie Free Solo? Anybody? Oh, y'all got to see Free Solo. Now, I will admit as a climber, and I say that term loosely. Um, 
I prefer the Dawn Wall. The Dawn Wall is my favorite thing on Netflix. I watch it once a week. Ask my family, it's ridiculous how often I watch the Dawn Wall. But then I watch Free Solo, and many of you have seen Free Solo, and this is Alex Honnold, and he is doing what they call Free Soloing, which means he climbs thousands of feet without the aid of any ropes, any carabiners, any equipment whatsoever. So either you finish the route or you die, all right? And many of you have seen Free Solo, and I get messages all the time. I just watched Free Solo. Pastor Dave, is that what you do? Yeah, of course, yes. Every day, this is in Kalamazoo, me climbing uh, near Howard Hill. So, yeah, I don't do this whatsoever. Um, In fact, if you read anything on climbing whatsoever, you'll understand that this style, it's called free soloing. And actually, it started off just being a term that climbers used amongst each other. And now it's just become the thing to describe this style of climbing. Um, this may blow your mind. This is dangerous. Shocker. Pastor Dave's blowing my mind this morning. Um, it, it's dangerous because there is no margin for error, period. And there's a reason why, like, I think it's fewer than 1% of climbers out there actually do this type of climbing because I think there's gotta be something wrong with you to do stuff like this. Um, Some of you think there's something wrong with me for climbing to begin with, but that's a different conversation. Um, But free soloing, it's just, it's not my game, it's not my thing. Give me like an ocean underneath me or a lake and I'll do it, but uh, I'm just not gonna do anything of this nature. But the reason why um, I love climbing is just for numbers of reasons. It helps me disconnect from the world around me, so to speak. It's me focused on something else. Um, I just enjoy it. But what I love about climbing is the fact that climbing should not be done in isolation because there's so little margin for error that there are detrimental circumstances if there's any type of error. Again, why so many climbers don't do this and most climbers don't. But when I go climbing, I climb with people. I climb with individuals. I love climbing with my family and I. We went climbing last night. We're gonna go climbing again tonight. We love it. But what I love about climbing with others is you, you have somebody that's belaying you, that's holding on to you while you're climbing so that there's not any immediate danger. Also, when you're climbing with individuals or climbing community, um, you have people that will help you. Like if you, sometimes you can't see a hold and you'll have somebody shout out a, where the hold might be. Or if you come off the wall and you didn't complete a route, you've got somebody with you that's talking about what you were just climbing and how maybe we could climb it better together. And when you're done climbing, you can belay somebody else and all of a sudden you begin to develop a sense of community because you become a better climber when you climb with others. Just the other day, Ethan and I were up climbing and somebody who I think is maybe the best climber in the gym, he walked up to us and said, hey Dave, I have nobody to climb with. Would you mind if I climbed with you and your son? I'm like, of course. And so we belayed Roman, Roman belayed us, and we just had just a fantastic time. But when I think about climbing, I honestly think about the connection that we were meant to have in the body of Christ. Because for some reason, this is the perfect picture of how so many people approach their Christianity. They free solo it. They free solo it. They do it on their own. They navigate things on their own. They operate things on their own. And this was never meant to be the Christian life, doing things by yourself. There's an old African proverb that says, if you wanna go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. You wanna go fast, you could go alone. If you wanna go far, 
go together. And I don't believe that anything in the kingdom is worth accomplishing if it's not done in community with others. I just don't think it's possible. I don't think it's worth it. Because whatever move of God that's happening in your life, if the move of God ends, begins and ends with you, honestly, it was never about God to begin with. Thank you, Emily. It was never about God, it was about you. Because it is easier to do things on your own. It's easier to be self uh, independent. But for us to go the distance, we've got to have others. And this is true for your walk with God, but to be honest, this is also true for your well-being. Did you know that you are human beings that need, that you may not even realize that all introverts in the house raise your hands, which you're not going to raise your hands because you're an introvert. So I won't make you do that. That's like punishment. Um, But even us introverts There is this part of us that wants to be alone, but the reality is we still can't do it together. Genetically, in a human way, you need community. I started doing a study on loneliness, and I was reading some psychology papers about the issue of loneliness. Get this, loneliness has been estimated to shorten a person's life by 15 years. Loneliness has an impact that has the same effect as smoking 15 cigarettes per day or cheering for the Packers. Sorry, Ken, just picking on you. People who are alone are prone to dementia, heart disease, and depression. Your body knows just in its makeup, it was not meant to be alone. And I'm not talking about marriage. I'm not talking about that you have to have a massive amount of people. There are some people in the room that you have to have eight friends, 10 friends, 20 friends at all times, but I've learned that everybody just needs somebody. And for somebody that's lonely, they will tell you, one person can be community and they're just looking for one. But we all need two, we all need three. Prolonged loneliness increases your risk of death by 29%. In fact, I think it was in 2017, uh, I was reading an article that in the United Kingdom that there are, they have diagnosed over seven million people that are suffering from loneliness. And so the government, they developed a position called the Minister of Loneliness. Because the epidemic is so catastrophic in the UK that they needed to basically hire somebody to get them to focus on how can we solve this issue of loneliness. Well, Pastor Dave, let me tell you how many Facebook friends I have. You know, I could talk to you about all my Facebook friends. I could talk to you about my Twitter followers and my Instagram followers, but you can have as many followers as you think you have. It could still be the loneliest person on the planet because you could be connected through your fingers but not be connected with your heart. And we were never meant to be this in the kingdom of God because Jesus didn't even live this way. In fact, if you go back to the book of Genesis, we read the scripture says, let us make man in our own image. And many theologians and scholars will say that's really the Trinity uh, speaking out. And in fact, next month, I'm gonna do a, a whole series on the Trinity. I've never preached an entire message on the Trinity or a series on the Trinity. So um, if you wanna learn about the Trinity, the next series starting in February is gonna be called Three-ish. Is it one, is it three? We're just calling it Three-ish. And, um, and actually I was a little nervous about the title until I talked to my, my seniors and they're like, go for it, Pastor Dave. And uh, so we're gonna do a series on the Trinity, but even in the book of Genesis, let us, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. And so man was created from community for community. Man was created from the community that is God, 
created for community and each other. And if you study the book of Genesis, you see that manna, manna, okay, different book of the Bible, Adam began to look around for companionship and more than just, he wasn't necessarily just looking around for a spouse, he was looking around for community. And it's said that he looked around and there was no suitable helper for him. And so God created woman and we have man and woman together and they had community. I want you to understand something about the heart of this message today is you cannot become you by yourself. Well, I just gotta be me. Cool, you can't be me without others because there are parts of your destiny that cannot be developed without community. Now, Jesus lived for 33 years upon this earth. And I've had people say, well, Jesus went off in isolation. Jesus had moments of isolation, but he never lived in isolation. He had moments of isolation. There are sometimes, sometimes you just gotta get away. You got little ones around the house, sometimes you just wanna close the bathroom door and lock it because you need a few moments of isolation away from the madness. But we were never meant to be in isolation and you were never meant to develop the full you by yourself. You were bred, developed, you were nurtured to be in community. And there are some things in your life, in your ministry, in your walk with God that cannot be developed, grown, nurtured and flourishing unless you're in community with somebody else. You and I need each other. Tap your neighbor and say, I need you. Say, I need you. Some of you don't want to talk to each other whatsoever. I know it's cold and I made the balcony people come in. Just know this, when we got these roads, we get hit in our attendance and we're gonna bring the coals of the fire together. It's all good. I need, we need you to come down and help us, main floor people. But I want you to understand that the scripture that we're getting into today to me is the epitome of community. It's one of my favorite scriptures to quote. If you've ever done premarital counseling with me, I quote this at you numerous times because it's such a powerful thing about unity. Psalms 133, behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. I'm gonna stop right there. Behold how good it is when brothers, and we can even, because it's a non, it's not specific gender in the Hebrew, how good it is when all of you, all y'alls, when you guys walk in unity, which seems out of the norm in today's day and age because it seems like the people that do the most fighting outside of, a, of political people are church people. I love social media. I honestly, I love Twitter. I just, I have a blast on Twitter, but it was something that I realized is church people can be downright the nastiest social media people I have ever seen in my life. And they take pot shots at people they've never met before. And all of a sudden, when we see things like this, it says, behold, how good and pleasant it is when, look at the word when, you need to circle the word when, why? Because when is conditional. It doesn't say how good it is that all of you dwell in unity. No, there is a condition that there needs to be good and pleasantness that comes in, not because you want it, but because you are actually walking in unity. That we ought to be a people that are looking to be unified with other people. Well, pastor, we've got differences. Get over it, we've got differences. We've gotta be a people that we have got to learn to connect with one another because we need each other. We are a little C in the big C church and we've gotta learn what can we unite in. And I'll tell you what 
what we can unite in. We can unite in Jesus Christ. We can agree on Jesus Christ. We can believe that this Bible and agree that this Bible is the inspired scriptures. We can lock together that there is one way to heaven and it's through Christ Jesus. So why is it that we're constantly devouring one another when we should be connecting to one another, reaching a world that needs to know Jesus? And I'm telling you, the more the world sees us fighting about our little differences, I begin to question why would they ever want what we have? I wrote this down earlier this week. May we, be, may we the church be quicker to see community in Christ, our commonality in Christ amongst each other before we take notice and voice what we don't like or agree with about each other. May we find our commonality with each other. There's a reason why I just don't put up with people showing up for the first time and bashing the church that they just left. I just don't put up with that. We're part of a big C. We're part of a community. And I pray that we as K-First, I'm asking if we would be the standard bearers in this city, that we would be a people that would never look to devour another community and make ourselves look better than anybody else. I wanna be a community that lifts Jesus higher. And if people will shoot arrows, then we will, hold up, we will hold up a shield and we will not return fire, that we will walk in grace and mercy, love and compassion, and let that be the standard that we raise. If God's banner over us is love, then dang it, then our banner over the city and over others will be the same thing. It will be love. We can just tear each other apart. And so the psalmist says, okay, when y'all get this right, when you get this going, this is what it's like. And the psalmist uses two outstanding metaphors. Look at this. It's like the precious oil on the head running down the beard on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. Okay, we're gonna, we're gonna pause right there. The psalmist gives two metaphors, and the first metaphor seems a little odd if you did not grow up in ancient Israel. Anybody grow up in ancient Israel? Anybody? Bueller, Bueller. We got Cameron and Emily over there who just got married. You guys are awesome. And they apparently grew up in ancient Israel. But for the rest of you on live stream and everybody else, you did not grow up. But the psalmist here uses a context that is completely foreign to our culture, but would have been understood about from their culture, because the oil that they're talking about when Aaron, who was the brother of Moses, when he was anointed to be the priest over Israel, the high priest, they did it by taking a vial of oil and they poured it upon his head and that there was such an amount poured out that it flowed from his head upon his beard, upon his collar and really flowed down all the way to his feet. And the oil there in that Old Testament scripture symbolized three things, empowerment, covering and the sacredness to be a minister of God. The, and the oil, it wasn't like a little dropper, like Ann and I have oil in this little thing here. And so when people need, um, when people need healing, the scripture says, call upon the elders and, and they will anoint with oil and pray. And so we'll get a little vial of oil out and we'll take a little dab at our finger and anoint your head. And it just symbolizes the empowering work of the spirit of God. Don't worry if you come forward for healing, we're not gonna pour upon your head or do anything of that nature. I've seen it done and it's weird. I worked with evangelists one time that wanted a punch bowl of oil when he stuck his hands and that was, that was uh, oh, I've got, a lot, I've got a lot of those stories. But for there, we get this idea that God doesn't just pour upon his people, but he pours abundantly. 
There is this simplistic little point in this that God is not a stingy God, that when God wants to bless us, he wants to do it in such abundance. He wants to abundantly bless our lives. He wants to abundantly empower our lives. He wants to abundantly cover our lives and to set us apart. There is one of my favorite authors, period, is uh, Eugene Peterson. He's the one that did the message uh, paraphrase of the scriptures. And he did a book called A Long Walk in in One Direction. And he writes this about Psalms 133. Not only would those people get the reference, but they'd get the reference that David was making that those relationships are set apart. What relationships? The unity that he's talking about. And what what was meant for each one is far more than companions, than acquaintances or friends. We are meant to be priests to each other, ministers to each other, ministers of love and grace. We are anointed, set apart when we get this right. We become ministers of each other. Do you understand what David is truly saying and what Eugene Peterson is talking about? How good it is when we decide to walk in unity is we get anointed from God to literally minister to each other. We are called to be ministers unto each other. And as we begin to minister to each other because the oil came on the head and went down to different body parts, we're called the body of Christ. The the flow and the ministry was meant to go throughout the entire body of Christ, but not just to reach the body of Christ, but so that when we leave here, we begin to reach out with that which we've already received from God. It's this beautiful metaphor that there is oil that flows upon, but actually flows from. We minister unto each other. We need each other. I wrote this down late this week. We should have nothing to offer the world that we are unwilling to practice in the church. We should have nothing to offer the world that we are unwilling to practice in this church. We should have nothing to offer that we're unwilling to engage in. We should, whatever we're doing outside of these doors, this is the place where, honestly, we should get the most practice. Well, well, what about patience? Trust me, you start meeting people around this place, you'll practice a whole lot of patience. You need to practice forgiveness? This is a great place to practice forgiveness. It's a great place to practice grace, to practice mercy. It's a great place to practice prayer, gratitude, encouragement. This is the place where we get our feet wet in the oil because when we dwell in unity and we offer connection one to another, we literally become priests of each other and to each other, willing to let the the unity cause a flow through our lives so that we can better minister unto each other. And then we come to this amazing second metaphor, verse three. It's like the dew of Hermon, what a great name, which falls down the mountains of Zion. It's like the dew of Hermon. Um, I don't know uh, if you guys ever thought about dew. I'm not talking about Mountain Dew. Some of you are thinking about Mountain Dew right now. Um, no, nothing to do with that. But the idea of dew doesn't seem big to us because most of us, when we think about it, we think of the thing that gets our golf cleats wet when we're golfing in the morning. But for this nation, dew was important. The dew of Hermon is really referencing a mountain in Israel, just north of the city of Jerusalem. It is this geographic location where in the middle of this hot, arid climate, 
you have got a mountain that is so tall that it actually has different weather patterns. It will get rain and it will get snow even though the land below it may not get either. And it is so immense and, and can get so thick with dew that even if it doesn't rain, even if it doesn't snow, that the dew itself nurtures the land on that mountain. Because they'll say that you can walk up Mount Hermon and get halfway up and all of a sudden everything is lush and green. And you can look behind you and everything is dry and arid. But the dew begins to get thick and the dew particles come together so much that it actually helps feed the streams below. I don't know if you've ever been camping and woke up and it didn't rain the night before, but all of a sudden the outside of your tent is covered in what? Dew. And you can run your hand across and all of a sudden your hand could be absolutely soaked. There is a beautiful metaphor that the psalmist says. It says, listen, if we could see our lives as particles of rain or droplets of rain, that by ourselves, that maybe we don't think we could do much, we can't replenish much, we can't refresh much. But man, when you begin to bring the droplets together, it is amazing the type of things that can come together and bring lush um, uh, refreshment, uh, a revitalization to a community or to a people that is starving and parched and the world has saturated and pulled everything from them. But when the people of God come together, the dew comes together. And when the dew comes together, you go from a droplet to a puddle, from a puddle to a river, from a river to all of a sudden we've got a rushing river and the rushing river flows into the lakes. It's amazing what can develop if just the people of God come together. That's the connection the psalmist is really trying to paint. Then when you all get this right, that first of all, you can become ministers to each other, but secondly, you become a place where you and I get to bring a renewing, refreshing presence to the world around us. And I've had people like that in my life. Have you ever had a talk with somebody, maybe the talk was five minutes or 10 minutes, and maybe there wasn't much substance to it, but man, you walked away just refreshed, like, I wanna be that person's friend. I don't know if you've ever just stumbled across somebody, and there's just something about their presence, it didn't, now we get the opposite, where you walk away from somebody like so drained that you need to go take a nap. But there are some people that you encounter that there's something about them that just says, I just wanna be around that more. I need more of that person. I need more of that connection. That connection. That's due. That's the due that David's talking about in Psalm 133. That your presence ought to be rich, renewing, replenishing to people. And so we as the people, as we connect to each other, and the way that we connect to each other is supposed to do this like the oil. We are to become ministers to each other and also a refreshing source of renewal and transformation. The reason why Mount Hermon is greener than anything else is because the presence of that which can bring transformation. You and I were me not meant to go in this world to siphon what we can from them. We are meant to go to the broken and to bring a revitalization, a renewing, and a revival. Some of us think the greatest revival is what happens inside these four walls. Oh, contrary, the greatest ha uh, revival happens is when those that are in the four walls goes and packs the community as oil and a refreshing dew to the world around us. That is true revival. And the psalmist closes it out. For the Lord commanded the blessing. Where did he command his blessing? On their unity. When the people came together, 
the command of blessings of God, and it says life forevermore. That is an important term I want you to catch. Life forevermore. In other words, what's life forevermore? This isn't life forevermore right now because you may not realize this, you are immortal, completely mortal. If you don't believe me, try free soloing. Don't go free soloing, none of you. But we're mortal. Life forevermore is speaking of eternity. But David paints this picture, it says when you become a unified people. Through that, you become ministers. You become refreshing. And what you do is you give a taste of heaven here upon this earth. You want to give people a taste of heaven? Be the dew in somebody's life. Be the oil. Minister to the broken and the hurting. Stand up for those who can't stand up for themselves. Reach out to somebody that can't get up. Pour into somebody who has nothing. Be an encouragement to those whose life is fractured. And when you do that, there God commands his blessing. And my question is, do you have people like that in your life? People that are the oil and the dew. People that minister to you. People that refresh you. Because we all need that. And now I'm not talking about people that will only talk about scripture. I hope you don't know people that every time you talk with them, they, all they can do is bring up what you might call spiritual things. But I'm, not, I'm talking about people that just pour into you. And what I love is I love people who are deeply spiritual, but they still like to have fun. One amen. Thank you, Bonnie. Apparently none of you like to have fun, so we got to find you some different friends. But I like people that I can ask for prayer, or that will give encouragement, but can also kick their butt in some sort of card game. I like people like that. I like people that would reach out without worrying about any type of reaching back, only to give in the poor because they've got a calling to be oil and a calling to be the do, knowing that they're there to minister to others and they're there to bring refreshment to other people's lives. I love those type of people. And every time I see those type of people, I'm like, Lord, that's the type of person that I wanna be. That I can look and find someone that's hurting or somebody that just simply needs to be refreshed. People that can encourage, they can heal, but they can still have fun. That you can play games, but yet you can have depth in their life. And so I sat back and I'm like, since 10 years of being at K-First, what type of people have affected me? And so honestly, I just wrote down a list and I actually made myself stop at 20. I'm not trying to, to friend flex with you. Don't, don't, please bear with me here. Not trying to friend flex, but I just begin to write something down, just write names down, just as they begin to came, come to mind. And I know I could actually absolutely get in trouble for not including names, but I just started off and I stopped at 20. These are the first 20 names that came to mind of people that have impacted me or encouraged me in, in some way that I feel like they have been the dew and the oil. So this is the order. I just wrote down Rod Sarbo, Judy Smith, Gary Slack, Don Lamb, Ken Niederfeld, who used to sit right there. Uh, Ken, uh, honestly, one of, the big, one of the hardest funerals I've ever had to do. I love that man. Chris Dune, Janice Van Hoover, Doris Bowen, Sam Gordon, Joan Cope, Kevin Williamson, Al Smith, Katie Shank, Dale Ashmore, Jason Allen, Dan Dombas, Dana Barrick, Ed Courtney, Tim Harris, Benny Clark, and I had to stop. And I just found myself just broken because I don't know if you understand Pastors need people too. 
It's a shocker, your pastor is human, but he needs people. And I can't say these are my 20 best friends, but when I just sat back, I'd think about the people who, from 10 years ago on, that just sometimes gave me moments of encouragement that they never thought or even knew that they gave to me in the moment. These were them. And I just stopped at 20 because I could have filled up the entire time with numbers of your names and faces. I could have sat and specified. But we need each other. We desperately need others. I desperately need others. You desperately need others. You and I were made to be in community, so what makes you think you are an exception to the rule? You need people. We need each other. Because here's the deal. There's no such thing as an only child in the kingdom of God. There's no such thing as an only child in the family of God because when you gave your heart to Christ, you became a part of a family. When you said yes to God, you said yes to family. And I've had people call me that they're mad. What is wrong with the church? Everybody in the church hates me. And after I start talking to them, I found out it was one person said one nasty thing and they threw everybody else into the lump. And how often does that happen? Well, all Republicans, all Democrats, all this, all that. We just lump everybody together and we lose the forest for the trees. We lose them all. But there's no such thing as an only child in the family of Christ. You know what you get with family? You get weirdness. You get odd relationships. You get solid foundation. You get to talk like nobody else gets to talk because you're family. You have depth. You have hugs. You have acceptance. You have grace. You have issues. I'll just say, just for the Behringer's fine, we have issues because we have family. But when you say yes to Christ, you say yes to this family. And I want to encourage you today, you may feel like an only child in terms of like you've got no connection, you've got nobody else, but I'm here to tell you that this is a body that is a family and we may not always get it right, we may not always do things correctly, but dang it, we are a family. And I remember um, talking with Kyle, he was up here talking before, and we were talking about one of our, just a very near dear friend, he's a missionary, he's a missionary that we support, his name is Trent Roberts, and Trent Roberts said this, you can't say you love Jesus, but hate the church, his bride. And I've heard that way too often. Well, I love Jesus, I just can't stand the church. Stop. I'm just telling you, you and I would probably have issues if you say, Dave, I like you, but I just don't like Ann. I'm like, oh, we got, we got something going there. Because number one, you misunderstood because she's the sweetest thing ever. You got a few amens, baby. <laughs> I was trying. How, can, how dare we say, Jesus, we love you, but we hate your bride, the church? Jesus, we love you, but we're frustrated. Okay, there's a different conversation. But we're called to connect. And how beautiful it is when we dwell in unity and connection with one another. Because when you say yes to Jesus, you say yes to the family. Which is why I am making a big deal about connection in this church. And this has been the heart of my series. 
the two things I think I failed and struggled with for the past decade of being the pastor cave first, that I want to be the cornerstone of who we are for the next coming 10 years is that of discipleship and connection. You've heard the heart of discipleship, which is why on February the 9th that you are invited to come for information to see if this is a fit, if this mode is a fit for you, if this intensive discipleship is a fit for you. Please come and hear the hearts of our disciples. But it's making us think about how do we bring people together. And so, and staff, we simply call it the three T's. Because for some, you're going to find connection through serving and a team. Teams are important because teams are opportunities to serve. And teams is a natural word, not just because I'm a sports guy, but we have the tech team. We have the worship team. By the way, the numbers of our worship team are struggling with their voices today, so Josh had to sing most of the stuff today because of, of just sickness that's going on. But we have the first impressions team. We got teams. So for some of you, the best way to get involved and to get connection is simply serving on a team. The Habitat for Humanity team, the lunch team, the kitchen team that's preparing some great food for our guests right after the service. Uh, we love teams. And we think that's one of the best areas and ways to grow and get connected to people. The second area that we talked about is training. Because I know that I have to, as a pastor, provide opportunities for our congregation to go deeper. And so we're going to offer what I call training sessions twice a year for now. In the spring and in the fall, we're offering for now four classes to go deeper. In February, we're going to offer four classes. I'm going to be teaching emotionally healthy spirituality. We're going to teach prayer 101. Pastor Marty's, if, if I wasn't teaching the class, this is actually the class I would go to. Pastor Marty's teaching how to read the Bible. I want to have a church that is not scripturally illiterate. I want to be a church of the scriptures. I want people to know the scriptures, to be passionate about the scriptures, that the scriptures get in them and be like nourishment to their bones. Every once in a while I get a work call, do you guys believe in the scriptures? I'm like, who are you talking to? Of course. Pastor Murray's going to teach how to read the scriptures and how to view them. If you've never been a person of the scriptures, come on out for that. And then we're going to do a, a, a class that I'm just simply calling the practical kingdom. It's going to teach how to steward your life practically, your time, your, your finances, um, the way you conduct your life, and how to take the kingdom of God and make it practical in your everyday living. We want to offer training sessions to get people to go deeper. And the thing that I am super excited about is our tables. What are tables? A table is just a gathering around a similar topic. Like we've had tables that have existed. We just never called them tables. We called them groups. Like I remember last, uh, I think it was last fall, um, uh, the ladies were doing a phenomenal book called, Kill, I think it's Killing Kryptonite by, uh, by Lisa Bevere. Great book. And they just gather around a table and we've got people that have got interests and they just don't know that you can gather with people around you. Uh, this past week, one of our parishioners, um, she put on her Facebook, would anybody be interested in a book club? Just, get, just reading books together and gathering. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 do this as a table. And I watched people just start to listen. I would love to do it. I would love to do it. Some of you have interests and ways that you want to connect relationally, but you just don't know how to do it. And I'm here to tell you that this is what I have really screwed up in the past 10 years. Why? Because I felt like I had to be the voice to not just cast a vision, but I had to be the person to do it. And the second Pastor Dave steps out of it, all of a sudden, well, it's different now. And so we want to empower you to help start these tables, these groups. Because if it's organic and it happens here, 
Guess what the church becomes less about? This. And the only way for this body to grow and to move forward is it's about the body of Christ and not about a personality. So pull out your phones if you want. I want you to text somebody for me. Yes, you're allowed to text in church. Go for it. This is what I want you to do. I want you into, now, um, don't bring up Facebook. Don't bring up Facebook. Bring up your messages only. If you have an iPhone, uh, just bring up your messages. If you have an Android, anybody, any of you actually like Android? Just kidding. No, 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 don't, don't hate on me. Whatever you use for messages, bring it up and just type in at the top, 555-888. And would you text to that number just down in the little area down here, just text the word, one word, I am church. And what's gonna come from that is a simple question. It's gonna say, what type of tables would you be interested in? What type of gatherings would you be interested in? Because I've had people say, Pastor, you should start a singles group. I'm, I'm not single. I don't wanna be single. I like Anne. She kinda likes me. But I've had people say, you, need, you should start a Bible study. You should start a book group. And so the question just simply is, what kind of tables would you be interested in? Maybe a Bible study or a book club, maybe an interest group, uh, maybe it's an age group, like you want young marrieds or uh, 20-somethings, 30-somethings, you want something for senior adults. Um, whatever that is, would you type that answer? Would you type that answer to me? We're gonna get these. I'm actually gonna read some of them to you because I'm trying to prove a point. 555-888. What kind of tables would you be interested in? And just type a simple answer. Pastor, can I type more than one answer? Go for it. Blow my phone up. Looking for books, Bible studies, therapy groups. We've got a, uh, we've got a group that ministers to the children of alcoholics in our church. I love that AA actually utilizes our facility to do some celebration nights. But some of you may be looking for stuff like that. Some of you are looking for something like Celebrate Recovery. Text that in. Kyle, where are you at? You texting me stuff? As you're texting, there's a process that we want to put you in. Oh, look at this. Young adults, young families, singles, retired, Bible study, blended families, sports, I'm showing up. Health and nutrition, I'm not showing up. I'm kidding, I desperately need that. Teacher support. All right, now you got me. Imagine having a teacher support group where people, whether they went to church or not, had a place to come and just get support from other teachers that are willing to give them hope. That's my teacher. A mar marriage groups, a prayer group, a hiking group, crafting group. Is that like macaroni stuff? I don't, but some of you understand that I'm getting sent stuff that have multiple entries. Women's support, mental health. These are multiple entries, injuries, okay, yeah, I guess so. Multiple inquiries, but it's here to prove a point that you're not the only one that wants what you are looking for. But I can't beat the bandwagon for your group, and so we've created a process 
to make it happen. And it's just simply this, who, what, when, and how. What is it that you're wanting to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to gather around? What is that one thing? I want you to find it. I want you to discover that. Secondly, who's your core team? Because I don't want you to do this by yourself and you shouldn't start it because one person's not a group. You may, that may be your favorite group. It's my favorite group. It's not worth it. So you need to find two or three others. But what's cool is, is when you tell us pastors about it, there are times that we've heard other people interested and we will point you toward them. And then you guys get together. The next step is when are you going to meet, where are you going to meet? Can we use the church? Can we use our home? Can we use Big B? No, go to a better coffee shop. Um, sorry if there's any Big B people here. Um, go to Water Street. Go to Factory Coffee. Someone says Starbucks. I smite that in the name of Jesus. We want to help you figure out when you're going to meet and then how can we equip you. And then what we will do is back here, we've got a rolling screen and we're going to have places for every table, every group that forms. We're going to put you up in the back. We want to have a place where when you show up to church, that if you're a guest, we've got a place for you to go. If you gave your heart to Jesus, you go over to the respond place. You need relationships, we've got tables for you to gather at. You need to serve, we've got teams right there in the back. If you need to be trained, here's what you can be trained in. You can stand in one spot, do a 360 or no. You can get prayer up here or you can have your needs met here. But when you come to KFER, we're going to grow you. We're going to connect with you. Why? Because we're called to be the oil and the dew to minister to each other and to refresh the world around us. This is what we are meant to do. And it won't solve all of life's problems because none of these groups will be perfect because they're full of humans. But I think the groups are a perfect place to start. And our two last things, and then I'll shut my mouth today, is number one, you won't grow if you don't show. If you're not going to show, if you're going to be a part of something, show up to it. You won't grow if you won't show, but let me say uh, the other side of it. We don't grow if you don't show. Growth and connection is not just for you. It's for me. It's for us. Baby, we're in this thing together. I need you for me to grow and you need me for you to grow. We're in this thing together. And that's why we're trying to develop this to grow beyond. Because somebody in this church needs your priestly presence. Somebody in this church needs your refreshing presence. In the past two weeks, I have been to four funerals. Past two weeks. And I'll tell you this. I'm coming up on, what, 22 years of marriage. And it's hard for me to remember who came out to my wedding. But I can tell you in the past year, being at my own funerals for family, I can tell you who showed up to my grandma's funeral. I can show you who showed up to my time of need. I still look back when I had shoulder surgery and the lady from, from our church where we were youth pastors showed up. She didn't know I was a youth pastor. She goes, how long have you attended our church? Are you involved anywhere? <laughs> I'm involved in the youth group. Does the youth pastor know you? I'm like, he kind of knows me. Um, I still will never forget her face. You may not remember who showed up to your wedding, but you do remember who showed up to the funeral or to the hurting place or to the broken place. You will remember them because when you show up, you become that priestly presence, that oil. 
And when you show up, you become the refreshing presence that you were meant to be. That's who Jesus was. And that's who we are called to be. Show up for each other. How does K first move forward? We show up for each other. How do we navigate tough seasons? We show up for each other. How do we get through attendance plateaus? We show up, we show up for each other. We're in a weird stage right now of K first where our attendance numbers plateaued, but our giving is rising up, which is phenomenal. But also our live stream numbers are going up. And I'm like, that sounds great. Get your butt to church. I miss your face. I've got important meetings the next couple weeks talking about the future of K First. We need you to show up. Why? Because there's still more to do. And until the last person in the greater Kalamazoo area has heard the name of Jesus, we cannot stop. We need you. We need you. I just feel led to do this. With no heads bowed and no eyes closed, I'm going to get bold in the place today. I was going to end in a different way, and I just feel like the Holy Spirit is just kind of prompting my heart to kind of stop. Because there's somebody lonely in the, in the house today. If you're here today and you just need prayer, we're not going to bring the worship team back up. We're just going to play, play softly in the background. But if you're here today, and maybe you're going through a season of loneliness, you may be married right now and going through a season of loneliness. Is that possible? You better believe it. If you're here today and you need prayer because you're just feeling lonely, I don't know if you're going to be the only one to stand. You may be one of others. But if you're here and you just need prayer, I'm going to ask you to do something. Would you stand right now? Pastor Dave, I'm just feeling lonely. Would you just stand right where you're at? You're experiencing loneliness. Look around this. proud of you for standing. I get it. I've sat in stadiums and felt lonely. And I'll tell you, last time I had, I had a massive ministers meeting. It's about 300 of us ministers there. And I texted my wife. I was going through a dark time. I said, I have just, I feel so lonely right now. I was literally sitting at lunch front of my pastors. I get it. Back in the days of Moses, while the children of Israel were fighting another army, Moses stood on a mountain and he got tired. And when his arms lowered, the armies of Israel struggled, but when his arms were lifted up, all of a sudden the battle took a turn for the good. And the only way that he could stay in the posture of victory was when other people came alongside of him. Two people named Aaron and Hur just came alongside of him and stood with victory. So if you see people standing around you, could you go gather on either side of them? It's okay to move. It's okay to stand up. I want it in so differently, and this is better. This is so much better. Could we just pray in the house today?